Hey, this is Rox from Bash. You're listening to Versus Node. Once again, it is Versus Node time. I am Eddie Inzotto, Editor-in-Chief of GamerNode.com and your host. And I'm here with two jolly good fellows. First, we have Dan Crabtree, our own... Laughing his way into the podcast. (laughs) I just... If I'm a jolly good fellow... (laughs) You are are part Santa Claus and part Jonathan Blow. (laughs) That they call me Jonathan Claus. <laughs> and that's a perfect way to, to start off. And uh, you already heard a little snicker from Sinan Kubba, our very special guest from across the pond. We have a, a very good history with Mr. Big Red Potion, who is now apparently co-hosting. Tell us, Sinan. Tell, tell me what you're doing. Uh-huh. Yeah, I was just going to say, first off, like, your jolly good fellow thing. You only say that if I'm a British guy. So, <laughs> I don't know, why Why not go full full on with that and just like, it's Lord Sinan of Angleshire. <laughs> I actually had nothing to do with you being uh, from England. I just kind of felt like we were jolly today. We are pretty jolly. Uh, okay, uh, maybe I'm being cynical. Um <laughs> We <laughs> already had a podcast earlier today with another uh, Londoner whom is attempting to get you addicted to Cinnabon, I hear. Uh, I know who you're talking <laughs> about. So, uh, fellow Gamer Node contributor, C.Y. Reed, who's a devilish evil band. Um, <laughs> yeah, no. Cinnabon? Uh, Cinnabon? Oh, nice. <laughs> Have you really not encountered that yet? Okay. No, unbelievable. <laughs> I've heard every Sinan pun there is. I mean, <laughs> you know, Sinan. I've heard like the song Sinan next to me. Like that's so. Anyway, um, gosh, uh, what were you? Uh, what was your question? Podcast, co-podcasting, gamecritics.com. That's where I am at the moment. Um, I've just started as their co-host with uh, Richard Knight on their podcast. So, yeah, that's where you can find me. Or the joystick. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say. I don't know if our listeners. No, but you are a joystick man now, huh? I am. Been, it's been a while now. Um, coming yeah. up to a year, which is insane. That's yeah. bonkers.net. I mean, so. why am I not fired yet? That's the first question. And the second question is, why am I not fired yet? I, I so. think because they can't find you. <laughs> that, that's the secret of being They have They have that editor. pink slip, and they're walking around, and they're like, I don't know where I am. This is London. Why does he keep coming back? Why, why is he writing articles? You know, we, he knows we're not paying him. Someone, can we change that password now? <laughs> Locked. Crazy English guy. Rising yeah. on joystick. Okay, so you're enjoying it though. Yeah, no, it's been really. Good. It's a really lovely place to to work and write, and I'm looking forward to sitting meeting all of them and you for the first time in a couple of weeks at E3. Yeah, that'll be, be amazing. Awesome. That I guess I'm one of the few. Uh, Americans, American game journalists that has had the privilege to to meet Sinan before on a on an odd bris- business trip that I had over in London. I have a feeling you're the first American game journalist I've met. Ooh, man. You are the first American Sinan has ever met. 
Prepare to <laughs> prepare to be disappointed by all the rest. They, they're much. never going to live up to you. Um, it's just, <laughs> That's what I'm saying, right? I, I'm with you. I'm 100. It, it was <laughs> an experience. Although I'm, I'm told that your experience with a taxi uh, ride home with Cy Reed on that night was was something to remember. It was something to remember. Yes, for another time though. <laughs> for another time. That's right. All right. So, did you play any mobile games on that taxi ride? We did not. No, we just argued with the taxi driver. <laughs> okay. Well, then, that was the worst segue ever. Um, so, we're going to be talking about mobile gaming today, which I know Dan loves and Sinan does on occasion. Um, oh, okay, does anyone not enjoy it, at least? I guess, is well, maybe I'm jumping ahead here, but... Well, why don't you? Well, here we go. Let's let's just start right into. Okay, it. so else? here's here's the deal with mobile gaming. It seems like it's so ubiquitous. How can you even? How can it be like a thing that you don't enjoy? You know, there's so many different options. Has anyone ever played? I don't know. Well, actually, you've played Angry Birds and not enjoyed it, right? That is correct. Okay, well, that's stupid. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, why don't like, you tell us what your experience has been with, with mobile gaming? Like, what got you into it, and like, like, what do you generally find yourself playing? Like, what do, you, what do you gravitate to? I probably got into it back in, I don't know, whenever I got a, first got a cell phone. <laughs> Snake. Grade. Right, no, exactly. I had just a tiny little brick of a Nokia phone. Um, that had like two backgrounds. One was a teddy bear, the other was the Eiffel Tower. So naturally, I used a teddy bear. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think it had Snake, and that might have even been it. I, there might have been like a text game. Oh, you know what? Even before that, and I'm going to count this as mobile gaming. Uh, when I was in seventh grade, uh, someone in my class had gone to another school and someone had loaded on their ti-83 calculator oh um drug dealer the game which was a text adventure where you basically said hey how much crack do i want to sell smack a hoe yada yada and then you got digital dollars or whatever based on how well you were a drug dealer i think it had to do with like a, a random number generating kind of uh process behind everything and then um yeah, and I remember playing playing those kind of games in math class. I was gonna say smack a hoe in math class was definitely <laughs> that was my experience too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not exactly. Some of those games, some of those games on calculators are really ambitious now. Like pretty great little games, like full Mario game, like Super Mario World. That's on a calculator. Um, there was one that was actually really great. It was like Block Bros or something. Um, Either way, so I think that was probably the first mobile gaming that I ever did outside. I mean, if we're not including handheld consoles, that's like, really uh, incredible. Yeah, yeah, not not handheld consoles because that's we'll call that handheld console gaming. <laughs> <laughs> we'll call that name. it that. <laughs> Let's call we can yeah. call this cellular gaming or some i don't know okay, yeah, mobile, yeah. mobile gaming yeah yeah in that case we're, we're american so we <laughs> yeah. oh, sorry <laughs> in that case i i don't know that it's really fair I, you know the calculator is sort of a weird middle ground uh you know that's calcular just, gaming yeah i mean it's like a whole nother genre you know yeah class um i think after that though it was the small nokia phone with snake 
and then just through the years upgraded. I really got into it recently when um, I got an iPad as a gift, and so since I've had that, it's I've been playing a ton of games. Um, and I think for me, it's mostly the low price point that gets me. Okay. It's it's just that well, and I so I I have an Android phone as well, and there's a ton of games on there that are free to play just with like an ad model, mm-hmm. um, which apparently has made. Uh, Google just a ton of money and, and the developers of the games a ton of money. Um, but even on iOS where you have to pay for it, uh, it's it's so cheap. It's like I think about it I'm like, I honestly ate Angry Birds twice for lunch today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I often think of things in terms of food cost as well. So right? I'm right yeah. there with you. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I... Uh, I do you want me to keep going? Keep talking about um, right now. What what's the what are the trends that you're seeing in yourself? What what genres are you looking at mostly? Oh man, um, you know I haven't. There hasn't been a outside Just Angry Birds forever. <laughs> no, no, I haven't actually played Angry Birds that much lately, which is why I'm not mentioning that. Although I have three starred every Angry Birds, so, like all the levels on them. So I'm definitely like. I'm super don't even not, <laughs> I don't I don't say that to say like I'm awesome you should pay attention to me I say it like I'm an addict I need help <laughs> my name is Dan C and I have a problem right yeah <laughs> I was okay so this is super cool really briefly right after Angry Birds Star Wars came out I was up to like seventh in the world <laughs> Um, I took a screenshot of it. I know it was. I mean, it was like maybe a day or so after it had launched, and so I just played it a bunch and and three starred it and and kept going through and trying to get better scores. But honestly, like ten days later, I was down to like three thousand, and then and now I'm like ten thousand. There's something crazy, like you know, there's mm. and and also this. I think this is super interesting, um, but it's probably because I work in technology and work with SQL servers, so. Apple uses Microsoft SQL on their back end to do like their game center rankings and everything. And there's a bunch of folks who have figured out how to hack that. Apparently it's really easy. They have like instructions online for how to do it. So, so you can go online, hack into um, Apple's servers, their game center servers. And you'll see a lot of times on game center games, there'll be like 10 people who have just this ridiculous high score that no one could ever get. And it's the maximum allowable value in an SQL table. Hmm. <laughs> and nice. so they've just because they've hacked it, they've gone in there, they've maxed it out. I, I mean, I guess you know, if if you can, if people will, right? See, now that's my kind of mobile game. <laughs> Maxing out my score clandestinely. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that kind of the idea behind Watch Dogs is sort of to pretend yeah. to do that? <laughs> isn't, isn't that like that's that's what I reckon is the biggest problem that no one's really dealt with with the next generation yet is how do you actually stop people hacking into leaderboards? That's what I want to see Microsoft and Sony answer in a couple of weeks' time. Hmm. Very important. Well, we'll see. Maybe they'll talk about it. They better. <laughs> the, the, recently, the the coolest stuff that I've seen come out of iOS has been from Vlambeer, particularly uh, Ridiculous Fishing was i love that game and it's uh i don't know if you've heard the whole story about how it got cloned and released the clone was released before ridiculous fishing but it's an awesome story how basically they were like listen we know someone has taken the exact idea of our game the exact format and released it before us but we're gonna do it anyways 
and it you know just made a ton of money despite there being this other product out there and they're i think it's an awesome game and certainly they've they've done really well with it hmm yeah i, I read about that too I, I haven't played the game yet though and by yet i mean i may never because that's me sometimes yeah so Sinan, what what uh what got you into mobile gaming, and what do you find yourself playing most often, if not as much as Dan? Uh, good question. Um, I guess I mean like Dan, my first experience was Snake on a Nokia phone, and uh, without being like, so it's going to sound a little bit silly, but honestly, I I think even then I realized you know, games on mobiles can actually work because I'm playing this all the time. I was, you know, any ride, bus ride home or train ride, I was playing Snake because I didn't want to just sit there. Um, yeah. And that instantly, you know, and for, at that point, carrying around like a Game Boy or a Game Boy Advance or something was not really a thing I was going to do. <laughs> you know, not going to take it to school or anything. Mm. Um, and, you know, honestly, that's not really changed. Um Apart from not going to school, that is. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> <laughs> hopefully that's changed. Uh, yeah, like uh, in terms of really doing it, I mean, I guess it was getting an iPhone. I'm getting the iPhone 4 a couple of years ago, and um, having friends, um, Sam actually, or co host on um, on Bigger Potion um, or co guest, was huge into iPhone games really early on, really before even iPhones took off. And he was going on about stuff like uh, flight control and Angry Birds and, you know, all the really, like, uh, the kind of initial apps that really took off. And I remember playing flight control, like, three years ago, four years ago, and just thinking, Jesus, this you could do this on a phone. And it was so simple, and it was not a revolution, but it was just the simplest of actually getting that app and in a second and playing it and uh, knowing that I could, you know, if I... If I've got my phone there, I could do the same. Um, so, yeah, from that point in, then I actually ended up working for a site called One for Eight Apps, which is uh, still going on. A uh, very good site. Jen, Jen Fallon works there, a uh, lovely person. But, um, yeah, and they, they're big. Uh, they're, they're completely about iPhone, iPad games, Android games. And when I was working there, I was just playing iPhone games and iPad games all the time. So for about a year, between 2011 and 2012, really, I was playing a lot of iPhone games. Hmm. And like, what, what, what what type what would, of game? Yeah. Um. So I think at that, but in that point, it was really everything because a lot of it was for review, and you're just going through um, anything that came your way. I mean, it would be you know typical kind of puzzly freestyle games. We know where you have to try and get through each level and get the free stars and mm-hmm. whatever. Um, or bigger, more exciting things like um, like Super Hexagon or. or cannibals or anything like that um and really it's it's um now it's games like super hexagon where it genuinely feels like that's something you can only get mm-hmm. oh really it only really works as much as it should on the iphone um you know like i i whilst i could imagine it working on a vita or a 3ds like there's just something about the fit of the iphone and um yeah, and even you can get it on Steam now, but it, uh, I've not played it, and maybe I'm completely wrong, but it's just, I don't know, that, that game always seemed very suited to me to iPhone. Stuff like that, what Blamber's doing, um, uh, things like Temple Run, just anything that seems really 100% suited to that platform is where I'll probably, those kind of games. Mm. 
So, Nan, I think you started to sort of tap into one of the other things that I think has made mobile gaming so huge is that it was really one of the first, if not the first, plat- uh, widely accessible platform outside of PC to do easily. Um, I, I, I'm trying to think of how to how to put it. Um, sort of the ease of purchase. Yeah. Um, that you could see it in your app store and you would say install, you would put in your password and there it was. And you didn't have to go through and like put in your credit card information. Cause that was already there. You know, that's, I mean, this is Apple's platform in particular, but other folks have caught up. Um, like no th- download time as what well, as well, you know, right. there in seconds. Yeah. And um, you now have that with, xbox live and you have it with with psn and certainly with do Steam. you i don't i don't know if you do that's the thing I'd, even now like if i want to get a game on um xbox live oh god yeah microsoft points <laughs> right it, it, so there's microsoft <laughs> points it's still like a, um you know in the store there's three or four windows i need to get through before i'll get to the game i want to that's um right. and then you know it takes i know this is going to sound the first world problem but it takes a minutes rather than seconds to come and um i think that matters yeah i mean and then yeah clearly the aesthetic response to it at least is you know you you feel less like you're burdened by purchasing something right you don't feel like it doesn't give you time to like rethink your purchase you know it's just like hey three dollars yeah three dollars why not oh damn it's on my phone okay sure yeah there it is that's the hugest thing i think it's the price that's that's really the the big deal i mean when you can I, I'm I'm still astounded that something like Tiny Wings, which I think is I, I voted on bigger portion of my second favorite game of the year, that you can get it for sixty nine cents or ninety nine pence. Mm. It's just it still blows me away right. as a concept that that we're so lucky as gamers to have something like that. See, I think you guys just helped me understand something about myself. Um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you my whole history here with the mobile. So that you're a platform. terrible person. Yeah, I mean that's part of it. But <laughs> I, I'm not really into mobile games. Uh, that's I'm in, I'll admit that. Um, I I did play Snake to death when I was younger, and then through like the flip phone and like slider phone era, I didn't do anything on my phone but make calls. I was like, you know, what, forget it. Um, and then I got Android, and I didn't really play on Android. Now I have an iPhone. I don't really play on my iPhone, but the habit is there in me, but it's for apps. Like I, I tap into that, that joy of downloading apps and using new apps and having them quickly accessible and like you know just doing different things. But for me, I like I have Pocket, so I do a lot of reading. Like I lived in New York City for a couple of years, and I would just read everything on the subway. Or if I have a, a spare minute and oh my phone's in my pocket, let me look up something about something. And I'll just be there on my phone. So I, I do get into that obsessive device manipulation constantly. Or I'll watch YouTube all the time. Like in my car, I watch YouTube. That's probably not smart. But um, <laughs> but I really don't play games. The only games that I've gotten into uh, were on my iPad. Uh, when, when I got an iPad, I got... Mostly board games like chess and backgammon to play with another person sitting there because the iPad could recreate that same dynamic of having a board between you and like, you know, taking turns moving. And that was really cool. And I played some of the with friends games because I don't, I don't know, how could I not? Everyone made me essentially play those. (laughs) 
That's right. But, you know, like, I have found myself, I literally downloaded, like, nine photo editing apps one day, all at once, so, uh, many of them for a fee, and compared all of them to see which one was the best, and, like, ended up with my one photo editing app that I, that I use, actually, I use three of them, but, uh, that obsessive acquisition of things on my iPad is definitely there, but it's just not for games. The only game that I've really gotten into was, uh, and even not, not in great depth, but enough to say, like, yes, I played that game, um, was, what's that game? You know the one. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you know, the good one, um, Infinity Blade. (laughs) You know, that, that good one. Which, that sort of put iPhone, like, higher-end iPhone gaming on the map. Yeah. Sense. yeah. It sort of said... I was impressed. It was, it, it was a signal to developers to say, hey, this isn't just for Snake Plus anymore. You, you know, can now is... make Punch-Out. <laughs> that's true. I'm looking at my list of games right now, and, and like, The Walking Dead, that's on there. The yeah. Full, the Bastion, the full game, on there. Oh. Um, Danger. Just to go back to, to Infinity Blade, because I think it's a really important example to touch on. It's not just, uh, as you said, Dan, like, that it, it put the idea of high-end gaming on the map on the iPhone, but it was also a, the the signal that you can make a ton of money as a big-name publisher on the iPhone if you do it right. Because that game was uh, the majority of Epic's like <laughs> revenue or something similar like that for for that year when it came out, um, and that's just insane when you think you know that's that's Epic, right? This is Gears of War and Tournament, and they do this game on iPhone and it makes a bajillion whatever you know dollars. Um, and not many games have recreated that success. Uh, I mean, in terms of the sort of high-end stuff, but you can, you know, the, the message that we're seeing from publishers in their financial reports um, for the last year, especially from Japan, is that they are, you know, that that's where they see the opportunity is: smartphone gaming, tablet gaming. That's where the money is for them. Mm. Um, I know Square Enix with their Final Fantasy <clears throat> line make a good deal of money in Japan. Uh, maybe not in the West, but you know. Um, that's why we constantly see these sort of Final Fantasy variants. They just released a new tactics game. Um, they've got this. Um, Hold on, they just released it. Did they release a new tactics? Um, so yeah, it's like a social variant. So. Um, oh, oh, is that the one where there's the four characters on one side of the screen and you just sort of mash your tablet? No, no, no. That was um, money. that was <laughs> Bravest, which was a yeah. Mash to pay. <laughs> we, we, yeah, it's a new model, we, mash to pay. We want to get into Square Enix's issues with free, with free to play and not understanding what that is, or even premium to play. But um, but no. So th- so this was just a sort of social variant. It's just like the original tactics game, but um, you can play with other people online and it's um, free to play. But I assume you can buy jobs and stuff. Um, but putting yeah, putting to Square Enix's uh, financial things to one side, they they, they definitely see that as um, being where the money is and. Um, you know, it's interesting that we've got these new consoles around the corner, and yet probably the biggest, most exciting uh, area of game development, or for the industry at least, is is smartphone and tablet gaming. Yeah, man, it's it seems like the number of iPads that have been sold is just staggering. It's like around 15 million a year <laughs> or more. Goodness, wow! And on and on Infinity, like I was actually being uh, conservative. When uh, yes, yeah, so Epic Games back uh, June 2012 said it made 30 million from its Infinity Blade series, and that it was their most profitable game ever. Wow! Huh. 
So there you go. <laughs> so we're assuming that it doesn't cost nearly as much to make an iPad game as it does to make a console game. And by assuming, I mean that's just the case. (laughs) (laughs) That's just the way it is. Um, So really, it seems like, especially when you hear stories about how Crystal Dynamics beat all records for all Tomb Raider games with the number of units sold, yet Square Enix says that they didn't reach their, their monetary goals with the game. I mean that that happened recently, and that's just stupid. <laughs> like, the, yeah, the question is, is where the yeah. I mean, the question is where did that money go? What what was it that cost so much? You see a lot of folks who say, you know, blame it on the marketing budget, blame it on. I mean, who really knows without actually talking to the folks who run that company, right? Yeah. Right. I mean, I, and I, I I still maintain that we need to wait and see the full picture because I I'm. We're we're seeing Tomb Raider has this really big long tail at the moment, mm. um, yes, so I you know how many million it's going to end up with we don't know but surely if it's something like eight or nine, then that those sale targets must have been beaten, <laughs> surely. Right, right. Unless unless the game drops in price and then everyone's buying it for like ten dollars. I don't know. True. Even but even so, at I... that point, that's the retailer um, still pays the initial prices. No, but that's separate discussion. So. Yeah. Um, I was just going to say a little while ago that uh, I'm in an interesting place with with tablet gaming specifically because, you know, it, it's super accessible. The You can do good things on it. We've seen that. Like Walking Dead, we brought up as an example. Some of the other games come up as examples. But it seems a lot of them that I am interested in playing because they are more sort of feature-length games. They're coming to iPad after they're out on Steam or, or what have you already. So I already played Walking Dead by the time it came to iPad, but I would have been happy. Uh, you know, I probably would have preferred to just take it around on my iPad. Um, I'm, I'm all for the convenience, just the games had never really captured me. And now I think that they are getting to where, at least for me, I, I'm sure everyone has their own threshold of where they want the quality of games to be but for me i'm seeing that they're reaching that level and i'm interested in playing games but like even bastion i I already played that i don't need it on my ipad now um i'm playing don't starve now and i would love to be playing it on my ipad because that would be great because i want to play it constantly i've i play this game for hours on end and it would be great to just you know like walk outside with it but you know it's just a little bit too slow if if everything's all at the same time, you know, maybe some games I would opt for on the iPad versus the PC. But then again, there's this this monolithic thing, Steam, that I have a lot of faith in to, you know, bridge across every device in the future that I'm ever going to own. And I'm always going to have that library, so I feel very comfortable about keeping my games there. So it, it's really like sort of a, a, a passing of the torch for me, like when... When the computer can pass the torch to the tablet for the real, what I call, quote-unquote, real games, I feel like I'm going to make a sort of extreme shift. Okay. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take issue <laughs> with your, your quote-unquote real games. Yeah, I know. I was, I was waiting that, for that. That's, that. that's messy, and it's, it's uh, I think, very unfair. On, I think what you're describing, what you, you're classing as not real games, I guess, would be, 
the kind of quick experiences, something like Tiny Wings or Angry Birds, where you're not, it's not feature length, you're playing in, in minutes rather than hours. Genres um, I prefer, I, I should say that. Well, well whatever, but uh, yeah, I, I, I think how the way I look at it is um, the more sort of insular games, games which are, we, you might typically find disgust on your major games websites like like Walking Dead, um, which is funny to say that now, but it's true, um, or, or um, Bastion or whatever. Um, yeah, I, I guess it would have been great with Walking Dead if that did come to iPad at the same time, on iPhones at the same time as it did to, to every other platform, and it did eventually catch up. Um, but I wonder if there's just a cynicism uh, of how well those games are going to do. Mm. Um on those platforms because maybe the, the target audience is looking for them to be on on your Xbox Live or your Steams or whatever. Right. Um, and they just feel that if, if you port it to iPad and iPhone without too much of a investment or, you know, uh, emphasis or whatever, that you'll still get the sales from people who are looking exclusively for games on iPhone and iPad. And we'll see it, you know, advertised in the App Store and aren't looking for it on Xbox Live and PSN. I, it's a shame, but I, I wonder if that's the way they look at it. Maybe. I mean, it's even a prejudice. Like, I, I fully admit, the words coming out of my mouth are being spoken with prejudice, and I don't want it to be that way. It's just my experience has been, you know, the games that I play are on console, but there's going to be a shift. And I mean, even, I, I was, it's funny, I was looking at articles I started writing um, ages ago, four years ago, I had an, uh, a text document that said, ready to buy an iPhone, and I started writing about how the iPhone is going to be the platform for gaming, and, like, forget all handhelds, and blah, 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 and I never finished the article, and then I sort of regressed back to not using anything mobile, which is kind of interesting, but, you know, it, that, that spark was there in me, I just, something happened, lost <laughs> mobile device is by far the driving factor behind the success i right. mean no no question that that's really what's leading it and um i mean you look at like all the free-to-play stuff on android it's it's it doesn't make a bunch of money because there are people who are you know there that many people who are paying for the no ads version or that many people paying for some sort of in, in-app upgrade or whatever it is, microtransaction. I think it's making a ton of money just based on the ads. Um, mm-hmm. That There are just so many eyes seeing that, that they're getting all kinds of ad revenue from it. But the, yeah. the interesting aspect side with that is um, the risk that comes with developing for iPhone and iPad. Um, I, I was at a conference a month ago where um, Firebase uh, Industries uh, Barry Mead um, the, the guys who made The Room um, then if you've played it that, yes uh, yep yeah which it, it, for I, I've played a bit of it and from all accounts I've heard I played uh, that whole game yeah yeah it's, a, it's meant to be a very very good game um, but yeah so he was 
these guys were ex-criterion guys you know the people who made burnout um and uh they uh, after finishing up burnout paradise they turned to ios and they went with that and they did a couple of games nothing uh really happened for those games and then they came to the room and they were putting all their money on it it was like placing all the bets on this and the whole thing that they were that was important to that game was getting featured on the app store uh it wasn't a, you know it, it was good that the game was was well designed and it was uh you know great that it's been critically acclaimed but um in terms of their sales like they showed this chart of before getting on featured on the app store and after and it was an astronomic difference oh i'm sure uh, uh, and you know that that game's now sold two million copies and i'm not even sure what it's priced but you can imagine what that translates into if it's something like five dollars it was five dollars um, or four dollars five dollars full so that's you know huge um and even if they don't get a, all of it just to getting a percentage is, is so important and um yeah and 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 so many of these games this is the thing i noticed when i was uh, reviewing games for one for eight apps there are so many good games um on the platform that will just not get noticed and you can review them as a as a reviewer uh for a, a site to high heaven and say this is a five-star game and everyone should play it but unless it's this weird system where unless apple gives it the the attention then it's just not going to get noticed that's a good point yeah i think it's you know what it's hard uh as a consumer when you look at all the games there listed and you, it's hard to tell what's going to be good and what's not going to be good because um you know there there are websites that review iOS games sure but when i just jump right in and i see a bunch of games or you know maybe someone else feels the same way um it's hard to tell and you have to you know spend some money there and maybe you're going to get something that's just useless and it's kind of frustrating if you if you get involved in a situation like that I suppose the other side of it is that's it's difficult to know how this exactly works. It would be wonderful if Apple would ever come forward and tell us, you know. But the the whole point of how how do reviews affect your placement on the on the App Store? I mean, do, do Apple they? take note? Well, I don't know. Do Apple take notice when a game's getting tons and tons of high reviews, or 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 do they not? I don't know. It, it, that's this is the thing, and I'm not sure anyone's really come forward and. Given that I, if they have, then I'm, uh, I apologize, and I, I've just not read it. But I've not, I, I for one, I don't know how that works. I don't either. I think that'd be a good article for someone to write. But you know what's just super interesting? And this is just sort of a side note. I just opened up the App Store, Editor's Choice, first thing, Star Wars, Knights of the Old Republic. What? what? I guess just, it, it just came out. Yeah, like, I, just, I saw like something about that earlier today. And it, yeah, it looks like. The, the whole game, pretty much. They, and they've and they've launched at it right very now. little fanfare. Um, you know, it it just instantly pops up on a few sites with a review. IGN had a review for it. But, I um, go out on a limb and call that one of the best RPGs I ever played for its time. Yep. <laughs> and that's there you go. Well, okay, I like that. That's the, you heard the review first here. <laughs> first, <laughs> seven years later. That's right. Another really, another really good example of um, the kind of changing way this is going. So Rayman Origins and Rayman Jungle Run. I, think, oh, I love Rayman Jungle Run. Right, but it's essentially the same game as Rayman Origins, but just customized for iOS to become an auto runner. Um, and Rayman Origins is a great game. It's tricky, but it's as as 
2D platformers go, it stands it stood out on this generation. Um, but but you can tell for Ubisoft what or Ubisoft and whatever made the money was was um, was Jungle Run because that's what they keep coming to and providing updates and new platforms. And you kind of get the sense that with Legends, like yes, the big deal of you know getting on all these platforms is great, but the the really big deal is going to be <laughs> the the iOS follow up. Oh, um, don't even. Just I'm so sour about Legends at this point. Oh, <laughs> Legends essentially tricked me into a Wii U, and now I have this useless Wii U. Oh god. <laughs> Uh, it is a shame because I got to play. I don't know if you played the the demo at any point. You played it a, a preview build, Dan. But it, it is on Wii U. It is a great game. You can tell it's going to be a great game, um, and it's a bit of a shame that it is. I, I can understand where where they're coming from, Ubisoft. It's like, why would stage uh, release it only for the Wii U? Yeah, you just wouldn't. Why right. would you? So no, you definitely would not. There are a ton of zombie games. Oh, they have a whole segment of post-apocalyptic games, on <laughs> which that's a whole other discussion of like why is the post-apocalypse just so such a fixation for game developers? But oh my goodness! Actually, I I think that's a worthwhile. I think Andrew Hayward wrote a piece on IGN recently about it, um, where he sort of was basically like from a design perspective, super easy. Like everyone's dead, just you yeah. and the bad guys. <laughs> <laughs> and and even more more interesting to me is um, the effect of I don't know if it's the mentality now um, is just just primed for this uh, post apocalypse fantasy or if it's caused by you know things like Walking Dead and all the video games that are post apocalyptic and zombie apocalypse but in this real world people believe that there's going to be a zombie apocalypse that's a thing <laughs> that is a real thing god at least here yeah. in the united states people are prepping for the shit to hit the fan they're buying crazy. buying guns and ammunition stockpiling getting food like it's this is real and it's hard to believe that people believe that, um, but I wonder how much of it comes from the media that we consume, or if the media is just like, well, you know, people are really into this post-apocalypse stuff, let's give them games <laughs> and shows about it, they'll pay us money while yeah. they're prepping, you know? Like, it's crazy. Like I said, it's that could really devolve into a whole conversation. Yeah, I know. A whole other conversation. Right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do want to come back to, though, is, uh, Dan, what you were saying about how, you know, the iOS platform and Android is so ubiquitous. And, I mean, I w I'm not missing that. I'm just coming from a from a like entrenched hardcore gamers perspective sure. but i also want to ask you know along those same lines how relevant is the word gamer at this point like like you said who is not the you've opened up the podcast saying like who doesn't play games right you know what's, you know what's interesting is i think that kind of plays into the social stigma surrounding uh, mobile games versus like for example a handheld console like the 3ds you know if you are soccer mom x y or z and you're you know waiting for your kid at the dentist's office and you whip out a 3ds people are gonna be like whoa that chick's a gamer Jeez, grow up right <laughs> uh well and i mean 
obviously I'm basing this just off of stereotypes that are yeah, stupid we, and dumb and wrong. We don't believe whatever. Things. <laughs> right? Yes. We don't actually believe. Okay. But uh, but certainly I see it played out, and I know people who think that way. Yeah. Uh, uh, but then you you know she busts out her iPhone, she's doing something back there. You don't know what it is. What if she's playing the exact same game that she would have been <laughs> playing on the 3DS? You have no it's clue. Totally normal. What if she's playing Mash to play Final Fantasy or whatever? <laughs> what if she's yeah. What you're saying is is the iPhone is like the adult hardback cover for Harry Potter. <laughs> That's right. That's right. It's I mean it's a way to sort of get away with gaming for a lot of people, I think. They're like, "No, it's not, I'm not a gamer. I just do mobile games. You know, I just I just play Angry Birds. I'm not a gamer." Um and so now, you know, now they're sort of trying to draw this distinction of, "Well, a gamer is someone who likes games." likes games in that way (laughs) right is is going steady with games been on a few dates and made some promises but not giving it all either way so so they're saying you know i I, and i know a lot of people that are like this you know the folks that i work with for sure are are this way where they're like no i'm not a gamer but you know you look on their iphone they've got like 10 different games they've got more games than me and i run a video game website (laughs) what what are are you then (laughs) so it's almost like this this easy i I don't want to call it a cop-out because i don't think it is but it's sort of this easy way to say well i you know to get to play games because by the way games are awesome um, but without having to actually say that you do it or seem like you do it, you can do it in a public place. Hmm. But in, yeah. that, that social stigma plays the other way too. Um, like uh, Ninja Fury are now making a free-to-play iOS Android game, and Ninja Fury already in kind of low stock uh, with a certain audience after Devil May Cry, just because that audience is vocal, and <laughs> as you know, um, so uh, when they made this announcement, they'd made this. We're going to make this big announcement or whatever. I don't think they said big. I think they just said new. But you know how that the media perf- uh, that perf- perforates through the media becomes a big announcement. And uh, they announced this uh, iOS brawler, which looks a bit like a side-scrolling version of Blood Dragon, um, which I think sounds great um, and could be really good. But uh, you know, the reaction's just really muted because it's an iOS Android brawler. And this is Ninja Fury, who are a console developer and high-end graphics. So That's right. Um, it's it's there is that cynicism from people like yourself, Eddie. Um, mm-hmm. It's not just you at all. It's there's I think there's definitely a thing. Um, yeah. I don't know if it's a if iOS and Android developers or Apple and uh, you know Android uh, makers are looking at that and thinking it's a problem or not. I don't know if they see it as a problem, but it, it is a thing that exists. Yeah, and I fully recognize that. I think for someone like me. It has to be put like in in a someone who's coming from you know traditional we'll say gaming with a lot of quotes everywhere. Um, <laughs> what we need to see is right up front gameplay mechanics that seem sophisticated, or for some people visuals that are on par with what we expect. And and these iOS devices are fully capable. Of both of those things, that that in, I guess draws on the question of do you, do you feel like there's a sense that iOS or you know, that, that mobile games aren't hard enough that there's this really low barrier to entry in terms of difficulty and that there's it, it only gets difficult if you want it to be in the sense of you know, like Angry Birds with leaderboards. Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, personally, I can give you just from from uh, my perspective. Is certain games like like Angry Birds to me, they just seem like passage of time, or or in my negative view, wasting time. Any like the the infinite runners or you know Temple Run, just swiping back and forth. What what do I need to do that for? I'm not. I don't feel any motivation to do that with my time because I don't feel a reward from doing that sure. and the, the leaderboards on Angry Birds are not significant enough for someone of my mindset okay sure uh, <laughs> I mean I, I disagree I did, I, but yeah, yeah I mean I'm, I'm, I knew you did because <laughs> you right. play those games <laughs> right okay so I, I always get like this with you Eddie <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, lay it on. I've got a perfectly valid opinion. I'm just thinking, but I want it to be this. Um, it, so, Super Hexagon's a really good example of um, an iOS game uh, that is super, super difficult. Okay. And I know you would, you would come onto your definition of, of an endless game because you're just trying to survive. But, like, that's a very. Like, I think that's a mechanic that's kind of central to gaming, like surviving. That's kind of where a lot of gaming comes from, is, is how long can you survive? If you think back to classic games like uh, the Mega Mans and the Sonics, a lot, you know, completing them often was something that you really were very lucky to do. It was a matter of how far you could get in those games um, and completing them for some, you know, because you didn't have saves that you could come back to at any point. You had to complete the game in one sitting. Um, so I feel like that's a mechanic that actually traces its roots back to hardcore gaming, if you want to call it that. Um, and games like Super Hexagon are just so... Uh, I hate this word, but it, uh, it is kind of right with it. It is a bit intuitive. Like, you just pick it up and you're like, well, I've got to go left and right, left and right. And, and you're not even thinking at some point. You're just... It, it's all on instincts. Uh, as you... I don't know if you've, if you've seen Super Hexagon already, but... The oh, yeah, is, I know all about it. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Well, just for, for, for listeners who haven't... Um, it's you play a, a uh, I guess a little triangle in the center of the screen and you have to dodge obstacles coming towards the center of the screen um, a bit like a labyrinth that's moving towards the center of the screen and it just gets so so tricky uh, you know people last uh, so, you know 30 40 seconds before they die that's kind of the average amount of time um, and it's incredible it's an incredible game and you know it made uh, joysticks top 10 of 2012 because it was that good um and there are other games like that on ios and android and people just need to hear about them more but maybe they're not the kind of games which apple are gonna make a big deal about it's there's um i mean the folks who write about games I'm, and i'm gonna generalize here uh are, are not the folks who get get super excited about mobile games that i've seen I get really excited about mobile games, but I, I feel like I'm in the minority in terms of folks who write about games, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and in, in that sense, I and and if you want to write about games, there's it's it's likely that you have been a a core gamer for a, a good portion of your life, right? Um, and so these games that are sort of considered casual or whatever, they um, it almost makes sense that 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 crowd of 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 people would like it less right and mm-hmm. so th- and so then you would naturally hear about it less from those games press 
So I, I don't I don't beleaguer anyone who says, well, like in Eddie's position, who says, you know, I'm I'm just a core gamer through and through, and and these games that are more casual don't don't uh, appeal to me. But I think Sanan's making a good point that ca- the definition of a casual game is sort of muddled at this point, right? That well, the casual games are oftentimes more hardcore. <laughs> like, Hexagon right. is fucking hardcore as hell. Yeah. I, I don't I don't uh, make any mistake about that. Yeah. It's just, it, it like Sinan said, it's uh, endless. It, it There's no end state to it. Like it's not, It doesn't seem like there's a reward system. Yeah. That's what it sounds it's, like. It's personal. It's an internal reward system. Right. In a way. You know what game uh, bridged that gap really well was um, a game called Punch Quest, mm-hmm. which I, th- I want to say it's on Android, but it's definitely on iOS, um, and it's free, and you just punch, and that's, you jump and you punch, that's the whole game, and it's it's a whole lot of fun. Um, the, it, but it's a, it's an endless puncher, and the, <laughs> the, way that it, the way that it gets you to, to keep buying back into it, and it has microtransactions and things like that, but it Every time you die, you get some points that you know help you level up, and you get better gear and better moves and things like that. And so, having some of those RPG elements brought into an endless runner, an endless puncher, whatever it is, I think does a lot to bridge that gap of what it sounds like you're saying. You're, I totally. I, agree. I don't feel like I'm getting enough of a reward for what I'm trying to do here. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree, because I've tried Endless Runners and been like, okay, I'm done after 10 seconds. But Punch Quest, I tried, and I was like, oh, cool, this this is, like, actually fun. I enjoy the the mechanics in this game that that call out to my gamer heart or, or something, you know? <laughs> and, sure. I mean, eventually I put that down, too, but, you know, it captivated me a little bit more. Sure. I, I think that's a, really, that's a really good point, Dan. Actually, I, one of the... I think more endless games could do more to get around that issue. One well, one of the clever examples I and I like I mentioned already I really liked it was Tiny Wings because um it had this kind of mini narrative uh in it in that uh every every game you play the bird wakes up and and this wonderful cheerful music comes on and you're jumping across hills and it feels like you know the, the bird's making his journey he's doing his little uh, flight for the day and then night eventually comes and then uh, as the night comes, he just sleeps, and it's it's like you're following him with his little day. Uh, and there's a kind of a, the music provides a kind of emotion to it that's not huge, but it's 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 cute enough to sort of make you like the bird and kind of feel attached to the game. And so when you're playing each time, it's it doesn't feel as repetitive as it should. Um, and I know it's not when I'm, I'm using narrative really loosely um <laughs> but like that 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 kind of thing just a subtle thing to kind of get away from how repetitive the game is i think a lot more more ios and android games could do that yeah yeah i agree i like that break it up a little bit so i've been kind of negative um <laughs> which yeah. you know i i recognize and i apologize for but you know what i want to ask you guys is um is there any aspect of this evolving sector of gaming that you find worrisome at all? Um, anything that you see in in mobile gaming, iOS, Android gaming that that kind of puts you off a little bit that you think should oh, yeah. not continue or should change? So, yeah, I mean, it, it, 
totally lends itself, especially those free-to-play games, to yeah. to the pitfalls of free-to-play, which are you know gating a bunch of content behind, uh, you know, behind a couple cents or behind a dollar or something like that. Which it's like, you know what? I probably would have paid that anyways if you just said up front, this is how much this game costs. But I've played games like oh, Triple Town, I think it was called or something like that. Yeah. Um, where you could play so much, and then it was like, okay, you can wait ten days and then play again, or you can pay me now. <laughs> wait ten. <days. laughs> it's like this is. Uh, it was like when it's like, it felt like when I used and I, this is a different scenario, but it felt like when I played the original Animal Crossing, and it was like wait till Christmas for this thing to show up, and I was like no. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to like figure out how to change the system clock. To yeah. Christmas. Except, um, except someone's off to your money, which is a whole different yes, proposition. Which <laughs> is, right, exactly. So, I, I mean, there's that whole pitfall, which mobile gaming and uh, free-to-play, like Facebook gaming. MMOs. MMOs, certainly those are, are the most likely to fall into that deep, dark pit. Yeah, um, especially perhaps. because it turns out it works and it's like really profitable. <laughs> so that's the awful thing about it. And the worst is when it works on you. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Forget them making money off other will, people. I'll when you this. succumb played, to it. I played uh, a Jurassic Park, uh, a Jurassic Park Builder, I think it's called, the free to play iOS game. And they had a bunch of stuff where you know you could pay. They didn't gate any content. And it was slow if you didn't pay. But you could still do it. And I never paid. And I played it for probably like two months. I would check in like every day and do, you know, feed the raptors or whatever. And, uh, and it was it, when you when you take a step back from those games like Farmville and that sort of thing. And you're like, this is what I've done with my time. You, you get a little upset about it. <laughs> but when, you, when you're actually playing it, you're like, this is fun. Like, look at it. I just made the raptor. And now I have more money. And this is this is awesome. Um, but I never actually paid for it and I really enjoyed it. Another example of that would be the Simpsons iOS game. Uh, it's essentially the same exact thing where you just build a, build Springfield piece by piece and you can pay and it'll, it'll go faster if you pay, but other, if you don't, then it's just slow, but you can still, I think that's, I think that's a nice compromise. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Yeah, Free to play needn't be an ugly word. And there are plenty of examples, um, of games which don't, use it in an ugly way. Temple Run's a really good example yes, of um, yeah. yeah, having the options which are upgrades which you can either pay for with money or you can buy um, using in-game items which are slower to accumulate, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a really good example. But yeah, no, I completely agree with Dan. That is the biggest problem. It's it's a big it's a problem it's a huge problem for gaming full stop. I mean, uh, it's gonna happen to with the new Consoles, it's uh, oh god, it's gonna happen with the new consoles. Oh, yeah, That's, it's yeah, so it's, it's a huge issue, and it's probably hugest on on the smartphones and tablets. The worst is uh, there are some examples of games that cost money to buy, and then cost money again when you hit a paywall in the game. Oh, and that shit is just ridiculous. I mean, I encountered that in one of my photo editing apps <laughs> where I couldn't use a feature without making an uh, an in-app upgrade after I had already paid for it. And I was like, are yes. you kidding me? I think, I, is it the Photoshop one? Um, I, I don't even that. remember. I, it might have been a couple of them. might have been Photoshop, might have been Photo... Yeah, either way, it's... Toaster? Yeah. I don't know. It's, actually, Photo Toaster is great. Um, so I, I'd be super intrigued to know... Um, 
we've mentioned Square Enix already, and they've got they're they're the biggest culprit at the moment in terms of the big publishers. Um, they released uh, Theater Rhythm, the the Final Fantasy rhythm game, mm-hmm. on DS, 3DS originally, and I played it on 3DS, and I adored it because a it's a rhythm game, and b it's Final Fantasy. That's end of discussion. <laughs> <laughs> That's every every checkbox necessary for Sinan to play forever. It's like someone made a game for me. Uh, and then they brought it to iOS, and it was it's free to buy, uh, but I think someone worked it out. So the 3DS game is is thirty nine dollars ninety nine. It's probably like nineteen dollars ninety nine now in America. Um, if you want to get all the things that are in the in the 3DS game on the iOS version, I think from what I understand, it's it's over a hundred dollars. Whoa, goodness! Yeah. So that's that's what Square Enix are doing with iOS, and that's that's across pretty much all their games at the moment. It's not maybe as bad, but like there's another really uh, a good example. By the same people who made um, Elite Beat Agents, they made a similar game, um, uh, and it's again you have to pay, you know, tens, twenty, thirty dollars to get everything, and and with that one you actually pay up front to buy as well. So, I'm you um, know I'm curious to know what the average dollar amount spent on the iOS version of Theater Rhythm is. Well, that's what I was thinking. I'd, I'd love to know. Where did they get their, their most of the revenue from? Did they still make more money on iOS and Android despite the fact that it's got this horrible approach to in-game purchases? I'd love to know, but we won't ever. I mean, it's I, I think the thing that upsets gamers particularly, but anyone really, about that mentality, about those models, is that it says the purpose behind me making this game was so that I could make money from you. And and it's not the purpose behind me making this game is because I had this really cool idea and I want you to experience it. You know, it's it's and I greed is inherently just very disgusting, right? Mm-hmm. To to anyone and and it's not it's not that games are alone in being an industry that has greed as a problem. Um, but the but I think we always sort of thought of ourselves, you know, gamers and and folks in the game industry thought of ourselves as better than that, right? Uh, yeah. pr- particularly <laughs> particularly PC gamers <laughs> and, and folks who are are more are are more towards the core end of the spectrum. Uh, you know, it's like no games are f- for the fun of it. It's for, it's to experience something new. And so when you have something that's driven purely by the sense of no, I just want. I'm a company and I want more and and it's not I want enough so that I can continue making cool games right or, or maybe that is maybe EA is like we have to release this you know crappy port of this thing on iOS with microtransactions and you know gated content and everything so that we can make Dead Space 4 we have to be before <laughs> Dead Space 4 and it's not yeah. paying for itself um, but I I I hesitate to say that that is the case. It's probably not. <laughs> no, but I mean, I think that's a that's a huge thing, and that's really um, obvious with the Square Enix uh, games because Final Fantasy fans will look at um, you know what Square Enix is doing with their with their smartphone and tablet games and thinking it's you're putting greed above quality, right? You're right. you're you're focusing on all these uh, profitable. Uh, games when the main series of, of uh, Final Fantasy is decreasing in quality and what's going on there and um, I think there's a perception I don't know, I guess with Final Fantasy there's 
it's it's a unique case because that series was built on these long retracted times between these individual games which were huge in quality and defining for the generation and now you're at this point where uh there's a new final fantasy almost every couple of years and um uh, there's so far removed from what was before and um and 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 the company behind it is doing all these smartphone tablets games and being very open about the fact that they're going to move into that sector so um there's definitely that sense of betrayal uh with with square Enix's fans about and uh, and and they will look at it at the company if one but they'll also look at ios and android and think if it wasn't for you <laughs> you know so <laughs> i will say though that um i ha- i didn't buy it just because i have it on like three other platforms <laughs> but uh i if if not, I would have gotten Final Fantasy Tactics on iOS. To me, that's super cool. When they you know take a retro game, re-release it on iOS, I'm I'm I love that. Or make your Vita purchase worthwhile. Right, or do that. Is <laughs> <laughs> that still hey. your only game on Vita? What no. Final Fantasy Tactics? <laughs> yeah. I just beat uh, Final Fantasy Nine. <laughs> just played <laughs> of, that on. Of course. Yeah. Hey. Let's mm. talk, hey, the Vita is a great little thing. It just needs games. Okay. That's, yes, that's okay. very true. It's a great little it's thing. Game. So it's going to get indie. flower, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> Limbo it's... next week as well. It's getting, it's getting all these indie awesome. games. Yeah. Um, okay, so before we, before we wrap up, I want to ask you guys, starting with Sinan, because I always go to Dan first and he always cries about it. Um, <laughs> where is mobile gaming going? What do you what do you see in the future of the mobile space, or what do you want? What do I see? What do I want? That's a that's huge. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I I don't see it veering far off the course it's on right now. Um, for the for the for the near future, I think. Um, why would it? What works works. Um, I think the next generation consoles are going to try and bite into that pie and that that's going to be interesting to see how they will i mean it's such a uh a strange thing to attempt to do um but they have to because that's where the money's going um i guess you're just gonna the biggest thing is you're going to see the big name publishers you know make even more of an effort next generation to to have uh big name games and not maybe like in the sense of uh, how do you put it I don't know. It's difficult to describe, but you know, maybe they will have more of a bidding compared to their uh, to their next gen console siblings. Um, um, maybe they'll try to convince the hardcore market more that you know you need to be getting this game as well, or you need to be getting this this follow up on iOS and Android. Um, so that's one thing where I wanted to see it going um, is I think. Um, I think I just want to see m- more celebration of games which are unique to the platform. I've, I, one game we haven't brought up today, which uh, is Criminal, which we haven't brought up, is Swords and uh, Sorcery, oh, which yeah. is you know, apps. One of the, I'd I'd say one of, if not if not one of the best games of this generation, it's one of the, it's certainly one of the best iOS Android games uh, of the last few years, and it's just incredible. Um, and if it was. If it wasn't on other platforms, maybe it would have been noticed more. Um, but it couldn't have been because it was built specifically for the iPhone and iPad. And in every sense, and no other game has been built so intrinsically for a system. 
as Sword and Sorcery was for the... I mean, it's just, you have to play it and, and understand that. Um, and I'd love to see more games like that and and, again, and those games getting more celebration, but I I don't know if that's going to happen. Hmm. How about you, Dan? Um, I think integration in terms of certainly with the new consoles, smart glass, that kind of stuff. Um, you know, Sony really hasn't jumped on that bandwagon. They haven't said, hey, you know, we're trying to... They're saying, hey, we've got our own handheld device that we want to integrate with. But I, I think that you're going to see a lot more of that where you have sort of second screen experiences like what the Wii U is doing, but doesn't require you to buy this separate pad. You know, it says that acknowledges that you have an iPad already, right? And says, we'll help you, you know, we'll make use of what you've got. Um, I think also um, for core gamers, particularly, you'll see more and more of sort of the promo games. Uh, the one that I'm thinking of uh, right now is with Dishonored. When it came out, they had Fruit Ninja, but with rats. And so, <laughs> like, the rats would jump up and then you'd slice Burst them. into blood. There's, I mean, there's all kinds of those games, and they're always free, and it's just a big ad for the game, basically. But, the, you know, just little something that the develop, you know, big development studios can afford to put five to ten folks working on while everyone else is working on the main product. And so I think, you know, and, and maybe not even just games, but, uh, well, no, definitely not just games. Certainly movies are advertised that way as well. Uh, but I mean, you could see almost anything advertised that way going forward as just this short, small little game. I think what's important to note, and, and one thing that we haven't talked about is the tools that lead the way for that. Um, we sort of started down that road with Epic. You know, they were one of the first folks to say that that higher-end um, development tools for iOS, for Android, are important. And so we're going to make those freely available in UDK, and that's going to be this big thing. And you know, now it's been adopted to all the other major uh, Unity and, and, and all those other ones. Um, I want to say that um, even what's the Bethesda piece of software, I think they even have some iOS code built in there as well either way it's hard to say without knowing without looking at the the tools themselves but certainly the tools are what lead the developers Mm -hmm. a lot of times i you know it would be better if we could just say hey you know the ideas lead the way and but but the ideas have limitations and the limitations are the tools really and or your ability to configure the tools to meet your needs um so if if uh I guess the other question there is: Is the hardware going to stay the same? So are we are we talking about is the iPad eight just some insanely high resolution version of the same size screen, or is it something different entirely? You know, are they going to start building games that you can play with? You know, the Samsung Galaxy Four it has the air gestures. Are they going to start using that in in game development where you can just swipe in the air above, you know, you have ribs, barbecue sauce all over your fingers and you can, <laughs> and you can still play Angry Birds or whatever. Um, I think that'd be neat. I mean, essentially connect right over your iPhone or whatever. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a, huge, that's a really good point because, um, you know, Sony and, Mike, and Nintendo and Microsoft have committed to all their, uh, their devices that they've made. 
and they just have to last them for years. Whereas Apple have got this market which will keep buying stuff <laughs> year on year. Totally, yeah. And I think well, that that's also sort of a problem in that the hardware is different every time. Like right now, certain games are at the peak of the hardware capability, but in seven months, you know, you can do so much more. And then, are you going to still be playing the same types of games, or I don't know? And and when the device and when the you know iPad, uh, it'll be the four or five. I don't know. Um, New iPad 2, God knows. But whatever whatever it is, when it comes out, there's inevitably like a handful of apps and games which really are using its full capacity because no one's had access to, to the right. it's device. It's a secret until it comes out. Yeah, so um, it is an issue, but uh, at the same time, I think it's a huge it's a huge card in their hand. Yeah. Let me also put this out there, and this is just having done some tech writing. I know that... Uh, the Android platform is almost two and a half times bigger than in terms of devices, number of devices, than iOS. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's, I mean, that's money. That's straight up money in the bank. That's huge. Um, we're talking about the difference of, you know, several hundred million devices. Uh, so if... If folks are, you know, if developers continue saying, "Hey, you know, iOS first because I don't know, it's easier to design for, maybe, or that's just the go-to right now," um, maybe they're going to be fall behind the boat. I mean, maybe the maybe the tide changes and Apple swings back the other way and Android recedes, but. Well, that, that, that we haven't we've not even talked about it, but you know that's this whole, whole other thing the the Android consoles, the you know game sticks and news and all these things. Um, you know, it, and I think the reason we're probably not talking about it is because we just don't know what's going to happen with that. Right. You know, that's that's mm. about to happen. And that's and, in just an extension of mobile that is going into the the home console space. So what are they going to be the same thing? You know. I mean, yeah, it, it, and it's so difficult to gauge at the moment. You know, people. That you, you know, you see the figures for how, how many people have backed a year and how much money you made, and then you see uh, a report saying that it was the 178th least or most powerful. That's right, yeah. Um, and and so you, it's it's such a new space that it's difficult to know what's going on. Um, so I don't know, Dan, you probably know more about it than me, but uh, like uh, I, I'm wary to to predict and talk about it because it's just so but alien. You- no, you nobody can predict. Every everyone has their predictions, right? But nobody can really say, "Hey, you know, this this guy's going to be out on top next." I mean, right now the Windows Phone actually looks pretty great, and like if Surface takes off, Windows Phone will probably also take off. Um, my guess is that's not the case. It'll probably continue to be Apple, and you know, folks, it's a it's a. But I mean, oh, there's there's just so many factors. Right. Apple Apple has done well because it's a premium product in a premium American market. If the American market changes and you know we go through a huge recession or something like that, maybe the same thing happens in the UK. Huge recession, then folks are not going to pay six hundred bucks for their for a tablet device because that's a a luxury good. They don't have that kind of disposable income anymore. So now they're buying the cheaper version. You know they still want to get something for their kids for Christmas. They get them you know, whatever the Nexus is that's out then and it costs two hundred bucks or the uh, you know, Nook that has some sort of game on it, which those are just awful and 
<laughs> the other <laughs> the readers that have games on them. Um, I, how do you feel about the Ouya? I, I, we didn't really talk about that, but that's sort of a bizarre, like, mobile games meets console game platform. I'm reserving any uh, judgment at this point. <laughs> have you played it? I've, I've not played anything. I, no. Okay. I, 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 we have a... A few videos on 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 our site where um, our reviewers just played a few, uh, with it, and you can see these on other loads of other sites, obviously. But um, you know, there is there's concern about it in terms of how the controls work and the the kind of the the weightiness of the build. I mean, it's that's what worries me about this space. Is like it's just um, lots of unknowns and lots of risks. And um, it's, it seems bizarre that a company would say, "Hey, let's let's develop." Or let's let's create a platform for games that are made to be touch screen games, right? Android, right. and but for some reason now we want it to be with we want to use a controller. It seems like it's only geared towards playing like I don't know Dead Space for Android, or you know, mm. it's a very small market. It seems like the Android odd. console to me, it seems like it it's like the MOBA of the of the mobile space <laughs> and and like there's gonna be one there's gonna be one that comes through it's gonna be the league of legends android console oh my god if that if league of legends android <laughs> took off though that could actually that could float a console that would that would be the end of yeah. the industry that's just you know everyone's playing league of legends on their android and <laughs> we should stop, stop making podcasts yeah just start playing league of legends now because it's the president in in twenty years will be a League of Legends player. The president will be decided by League of Legends. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> it's unbelievable how huge League of Legends is. I'm always astounded when someone tells me how many million people are playing that. It's thing. like you, you see the stories about World of Warcraft loses one point three million, and League of Legends is just going. We we lost that yesterday and gained it again. <laughs> what <the laughs> Whatever. I do not understand why that does so well, but. Good on them. Yeah. And then I guess uh, it's kind of how I felt about mobile gaming, but things are changing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the times, they are changing. Yeah. You know what? What I want out um, out of iOS and Android, just from this conversation, I want to be able to bookmark the apps that I want to get in the future. You can't do that. Oh, you can oh, like you a, can like mail it to yourself. List. Yeah, wouldn't that be cool? Because right now I'm looking at Super Brothers Sword and Sorcery, and I do want to play it, but I don't feel like buying it right now because I'm not going to play it immediately, and it might go down, and you know, it's that sort of thing. Nice little bookmark would be wonderful. But um, other than so that, this is this is physical invention that's called like a post-it note. Yeah, I don't <laughs> I don't know how to use that. I I don't have ink in my house. I'm, is that a, uh, is that a tablet? <laughs> The post-it note too is going to be. <laughs> God, how infuriating would that be? <laughs> post-it gets into the tablet business. <laughs> it, it, um, it's a book of tablets, like you just have a hundred little mini tablets that you put up. The Single note use tablets. Like Gerber baby tablets or something. Oh God. <laughs> That's how yeah. Dan Crabtree made his millions. <laughs> the baby <Yeah>. tablet. <laughs> <laughs> Kid beer. Yeah. <laughs> now, okay, so seriously, um, iOS is is really making leaps and bounds, big strides forward, as is Android. 
and I think all we can be is is hopeful and excited for what's coming out of that space because it is it is legitimate. It's here, and um, you know, it's definitely worth the time and uh, attention. I think I think we agree with that, even if some of us are slow. Agreed. Yeah, I like that. Last bit you agreed on that. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree that some of us are slow. <laughs> Once I added that, you yeah. could agree. All right, guys. Well, I mean, thanks a lot. Uh, Sinan, tell us, tell us where you're at again, just in case we missed anything. Uh, just in case, for some reason, after that hour and twenty minutes of complete nonsense, I thought. <laughs> um, you actually want to find me again? You can find me on Twitter. I'm on. Uh, Twitter under Shoinan, which is S-H-O-I-N-A-N uh, and I'm at joystick.com and uh, gamecritics.com's podcast. Awesome. And Dan, where can we find you penning words? From- I'm, on, I'm on the Twitters. I, I think I have a lot of really hilarious tweets that go <laughs> just unheralded. That's not true. No, Dan. Dan is a is a must follow Twitter. <laughs> is that so, even an account? What do you say? Must follow account. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, it's a account. wonder I haven't been verified yet, right? Seriously, <laughs> you are the true and real Dan Crabtree. <laughs> I mean, who else can boast seven Angry Birds groupies? <laughs> uh, so I'm on Twitter at Dan R Crabtree, and I'm at GamerNode.com. Awesome. Where awesome. can we find you, Eddie? Uh, Gamernode.com. And you know what? We've got a lot coming down the pipe with uh, Versus Node. I have a lot of plans. We have a lot of plans. And, um, but yeah, keep it at Gamernode. Oh, and um, one thing, if you're listening and if you enjoyed what you heard, uh, hopefully that's possible, give us a rating, give us a review. It'll really help out, and we'd appreciate it. And um, if you have anything to say about the show, anything you want us to talk about, anything you've heard us talk about that you'd like to weigh in on, uh, drop us a line at versusnode, it's V-S-N-O-D-E, at gamernode.com, and we will address it. And that's about it. So until next time, thank you guys, and thank you everyone for listening. Adios. (laughs) 